Welcome to the Space Shovel Podcast. This is episode three, and today we're talking about COVID technologies. Um, I do want to just start with a description because that that title is a little arbitrary. Uh, so let's jump into that. If there's one good thing that came out of the COVID-19 pandemic, it's the rapid development of new technologies from PPE cleaning hot boxes to the adoption of robots and AI. Our world is changing and it's now happening fast. This episode will take a look at technologies that were developed during the COVID-19 pandemic and how they could be used in the future. So today I have Kane and Dan with me. Um, Kane, I did forget to tell you at the um, beginning of these episodes, we usually have our guests kind of just explain their background and what they do for the company. Um, I also want you to explain what you do outside of the company. So I think you you do a lot of really cool stuff, but obviously there's that one piece that um, is really relevant to what's going on right now. Well, um, by trade, I'm an aircraft electrician. I did 22 years in the Navy and retired as a chief. Uh, Then went off to Afghanistan and worked on Army aircraft over there. Um, Then... I was also a ground government flight representative while I was here at at, uh, Pax River and um, got into flight tests with Avian through through that background. Uh, Out in town, uh, I'm a first responder with Hollywood Volunteer Fire and Rescue. And uh, as we were talking about, you know, there's some stuff we can discuss, you know, during during this session that, you know, technologies that we've embraced because of COVID. So. Yeah. And of course, Dan is VP for strategic innovation, which I'll never get wrong again after the first episode. Um, (laughs) uh, So let's talk, let's start local and talk about um, something that I mentioned in the description. Um, Dan, I don't know if you've seen this, the Southern Maryland loves you hot box, I think is what they're calling it. I have not Um, seen it, but I'm ready to learn. Okay. So this is a, and I'm not going to do it justice. So if you're listening to this podcast, I encourage you to go to the Southern Maryland loves you website and learn all about this, but it's a hot box that you can basically put outside of any building. I don't know if it goes inside or not. I don't think so. I think it, it usually like sits in a parking lot. You, can um, wheel carts of PPE into um, this hot box. It then um, heats up, obviously, uh, and 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 sterilizes the PPE that way. What what is it used for? An energy source? Is it plugged in? I, I want to say that Techport partnered with maybe a local um, heating and air conditioning company mm-hmm. to create the heat source. Okay, and I want to say booth maybe. Birch Oil okay. is one of their partners, mm-hmm. so I think it's it's probably like a propane. Okay, um, yep. so something more sophisticated than they just like dump gas on it and yes. set it on fire. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, the idea is that you can reuse this PV. Right. So you wheel it in, they heat it up to whatever that safe temperature is. It's then able to be reused in the future. Now, this was really really great during the start of the COVID pandemic because. Obviously, we had mask shortages, mm-hmm. glove shortages. Obviously, I don't think you could reuse gloves, but shortages of, of materials. Now, the spin that they have, and it's a good spin, is that it will also, in the future, save um, the environment, basically, on pollution. Because now you can reuse masks, and they have an exact number, I think, on their website of how many times they can reuse masks. Um so that's one cool thing locally that came out of the pandemic. I'm sure there's more locally. I just don't know of them. Um, but they're really pushing um, to 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 continue to use this hot box in in different applications. Are there any other applications? I know my explanation wasn't exactly um, scientific, but are there any applications you could think of for these hot boxes? For these hot boxes specifically, or is there any? 
way that we could maybe adapt the hotboxes. So could they be used, I don't know, mount something else to it, and then it turns into something else? Uh, potentially. Ian, do you know how big they are? Um, it's about the size of, so have you ever been to a restaurant and seen like their walk-in coolers? I have coolers? been to restaurants. Well, <laughs> yes. Uh, outside, they have like a, a walk-in cooler. Yeah. Similar to that size. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. Nothing is jumping out at me immediately. Kane, how about you? Anything? Well, I was we thinking just, pizza ovens, but that's probably not. <laughs> it's probably not it. We were discussing, you know, the continued use of it to yeah. uh, cut down on on uh, the amount of disposable uh, protection that, that, say, a rescue squad goes through. Right. You know, because uh, the more you go through an item, cost you know the more the more your cost is. So if I can recycle these uh, base masks to reuse them five times instead of one, you know, that's a cost savings. Yeah. Yeah. Where are they located? Um, I think the majority of them are outside of hospitals right now. So okay. I probably mostly local, I assume. I Honestly, again, I encourage you to go to the website if you want to learn more about this. It's Southern Maryland Loves You. I think .com is, is their org. website or .org. Yeah, org. Um, I know they sent one up to Charles County at the MedStar up there. I'm not sure if they have one at St. Mary's County or not. I assume so. I think it's all MedStar, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so definitely something to look out for, but let's talk about big world stuff now. And I brought this topic up at the be- before we even started recording. Um, in India, when the, when the pandemic first started, uh, they basically took away people's rings on their f- rings, took away their ringtone on their phones. And instead of a ringtone, you got a pre-recorded, uh, message kind of explaining how to stop the spread. So that was a big campaign everywhere. Um, I think that could be used in the future, but I don't know if it would be in the United States or not. Right. Um, yeah. What pops into my mind it is would like freak people out. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, and we did talk about this, like I said beforehand, but I don't know if it's something that could be hyper localized. So that say there's an Amber Alert in St. Mary's County, and for the next. 12 hours, they play this Amber Alert message while you're trying to call somebody. I don't know. What, what do you think? Uh, well, I think they could certainly do it because they already have uh, location-based Amber Alerts that hit your phone. Right. So going to the next step and, and substituting your ringtone or maybe even calling you. Look, it, clearly it's easy uh, given the, the quantity of spam calls we all get <laughs> right. that they could choose to call everybody uh, every minute if they wanted to with that message. And that would certainly be a much more proactive way of doing it, right? Because right now it's a little bit passive, your Amber Alert or your Silver Alert. It comes, your phone buzzes and maybe makes an extra noise, and you then have to look at it. Right. So there's, you know, you have to do a proactive move. Right. But if it were to call you, and instead of a call, you would get this you know, sort of 1984-ish government <laughs> message that comes out and says that I think it would freak people out. Now, the question then is, is the freakout factor greater than the benefit of right. it? You know, how many times could a amber alert or a silver alert been solved sooner if somebody would have been proactively told to look at it as opposed to just their phone buzzing? So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it wouldn't bother me. It would certainly bother some people. Yeah, I could definitely see it bothering yeah. a lot of people, especially if you're like one of somebody that 
you receive a message and then you take it super seriously. I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but you take it super seriously. You're like, oh, they're calling me. They're, it must be extremely urgent or, or yeah. whatever that is. So, so Kane, what do you think? I, I was going to say, I'd rather get an alert yeah. like that than hear about my car warranty expiring. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. Very true. Very true. Exactly. How you can lower your insurance. <laughs> yes. All right. I don't want to spend too much time on it. I just thought it was an interesting topic. Um, a little uh, car warranties. That's funny. Yes. <laughs> Let's jump into wearable. So I wear an Apple Watch. Um, one thing that Apple did was Samsung. Samsung. Okay. Um, but it actually works better with my iPhone. iPhone. Uh, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> one thing that Apple did was add in like this hand washing sensor. So now when I go to wash my hands, there's like a 20 second countdown that pops up. Doesn't work every time, Apple, so please fix that. Um, but it lets you know how long you should wash your hands. I guess it uses the microphones and then just the, the movement of your hands uh, to decide if you're washing hmm. them or not. Um, there are other things that- Does will, it give you a shock, like in your wrist, if you don't no, go it long should. enough? Maybe it should. <laughs> um, the wearables were used for contact tracing. Um, I actually recently saw a video at like, I think it was like the North Carolina, so it had been Panthers NFL headquarters, mm -hmm. um, where every employee walking in the building had to pick up a device that tracked every movement they made throughout the day. Um, putting it on your wrist, obviously, is easier. Yeah, they put that in place last year for the beginning of the NFL season. That was yeah. mandatory throughout the league. Yeah. Um, so let me ask a question. Fast forward, and Kane, we touched on this a minute ago. Fast forward a year from now or two years from now, all of this um, sensitivity about washing your hands for 20 seconds, contact tracing, proximity tracing, will it matter a year from now? Will all this be this big burble of activity that will die down? Right. Just like a year ago, there was this big burble of activity and angst about lack of PPE. Right. Uh, you couldn't find hand sanitizer. Holy cow, if you wanted to get paper towel or um, a Lysol wipe, you couldn't find it. Now, it's everywhere. Yeah. And so I wonder if a year from now, all of this will sort of die down when enough of the population gets vaccinated, the virus mutates four or five more times, and it turns into something really relatively benign. And this is maybe just me hoping, right? Right. Not doctors here. <laughs> right. Not not doctors. I'm hoping. And it, it kind of, like most other things, just kind of fades away. Yes. Like the Spanish flu, you know, the 12th cousin of the Spanish flu is still around. But it's, it's kind of lumped in with the rest of the flu. Right. You know, so the COVID-19 coronavirus is going to be around forever, but it might morph into something that's just a shoulder shrug a year from now or two years from now. So I, I'm, this is me sort of spitballing. So what do you guys think? Well, just <clears throat> something that we haven't really touched on is, is um, you know, the online uh, Internet access in, in, in this crisis. You yep. know, the, the county uh, jumped and, and has been running, you know, broadband lines up and down, up and down the street. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, gotten more uh, rural homes connected you know, mm -hmm. to, the, to the internet. Mm -hmm. um, I, I signed up with uh, uh, Starlink, so I'm waiting on that. Yes. You know, so, <laughs> um, <clears throat> all of our digital technology that has transformed through the COVID pandemic um, 
only just grow and get better. My health app on there, I have I have MedStar connected to it and and my VA health you know records connected to it, so I can just go pull it up. Go here's my here's my yeah. last time I was at the doctor, and here's what they said. You know. And so you think there'll be some enduring things that that will come out of this, and they will just be there and be part of regular life. But some of the more wonky things like the 22nd hand right. washing app <laughs> might sort of fade out. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But the connectivity of medical records will 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 be a step function that stays up on step. I think so as well. You know, the more right. Uh, um, and again, this is personal information you don't want leaking out, so you have to make sure that that's, you know, secured yep. information, you know, and, and um PII, you know, for example, personally identifiable information. Uh, I think a year from now, um, the panic about it will be less, but I think it's still going to be clearly in everyone's head. Yeah. Uh, better hygiene, better, you know, really, really what this taught me was take better care of yourself personally. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. You know, throughout this whole thing. Yeah, um, it's kind of like why were we doing? Physically. Why were we washing our hands for twenty seconds before? Right, you yeah. know, or, or you, you talk about that, but like even you know, like the whole brush your teeth for at least two minutes. Yeah, well, you know, let's let's go with that. Too, right. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, um, but but you know that's that's definitely something. Uh, people people were able to um, come together and all this, you know, and I, yeah. I do like that. Yeah. Know? So. I want to touch on one of the things you said. So internet, um, I think well, this is going to be a interesting topic because there's a lot of people have mixed emotions of this, the 5G. So there's a lot of people that for some reason think that 5G is related to COVID, but I, I'm one of the people that think it's not. Um, the need and the necessity for 5G has grown because a lot of the things that you're talking about rely on internet which means we need better internet, faster internet, um, more reliable internet. Sounds like a so, commercial. Yeah, I know. It's like for, well, hey, Verizon. Generation, right? It's the fifth generation <laughs> right, of, right. Of, of this. You yes. Know? So, yeah, it's still internet access, just it's a better version. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's becoming uh, more accessible, I guess, is my sure. point. So, mm-hmm. and the reason that it's becoming more accessible is because everyone's at home. Everyone, there's people in our county alone that don't have the broadband access. So they're looking for Starlink or they're looking for 5G right. capabilities right. so that, you know, data's big now. Uh, it, it takes a long time to download a video on, on Microsoft Teams or Zoom or something well, like you that. Know, it's destructive technology. You know, mm-hmm. it's, um, when I can get broadband in my home, I'm going to get rid of the satellite dish on my roof because yeah. now I can stream it through right. broadband, you yep. know, and that kind of stuff. You know, so it, one technology is going to get rid of another one. Yep. Yeah. Hey, Space Shovel listeners, I want to say thank you, first of all, for listening to this podcast. We have some really exciting ones coming up and in the works. Again, thank you for listening. Uh, if you're not following the Work Awesome Network on social media, I encourage you to do that. That's on Basically every platform, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, you can follow the Work Awesome Network. That is where you get updates on the Space Shovel podcast as well as the Work Awesome podcast. And in the future, some more projects that we have coming out. So definitely jump over to those platforms wherever you consume your content to get the most up-to-date information. And now back to this episode. Tying this back into, and a lot of stuff somehow ties back into the LiDAR conversation that we have. But apparently... (laughs) There's been some shift from 
not, I'm not, some is a very strong word because I haven't seen this, but I read about it. A shift from e-commerce to what they're calling v-commerce, which is virtual commerce. So Whole Foods apparently created an entire shopping store in a virtual environment. I assume they use some sort of augmented reality and LiDAR to figure out mm -hmm. how to do that. And now you can just put on a pair of goggles, shop like you would normally shop in a grocery store, and then I guess have it delivered to your house. Uh, I mean, I think for the experience, I yeah, guess for the you know what the human Ian, connection maybe. Ian, Ian, count me out. Right. <laughs> count me out on virtual shopping. Yeah. Either either I want to do it sitting in my house with you know clicking on something, click click click, right, and then it's there the next day or the day after. Or if I want the actual experience, the you know the tactile experience of touching something in the store. I think I can make my way to the store. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to have the quasi experience of, of virtual reality shopping. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're it's there binary yet. Binary for me. I don't think we're there yet. I think um, a lot of people are probably on the same same wavelength as you. Uh, it's just, yeah, you can still make it to the brick and mortar. Uh, it's not hard to you know, do shopping. And even in the yeah. future, I feel like brick and mortars aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. Sometimes you want to be in the store and smell whatever's cooking. Right. And yep. or see a picture of something uh, and you go, wow, it looks pretty good. I think I'll buy that. Um, let me take you guys on maybe a different, and I'm not sure where you were going. No, yeah, your notes, go for it. Ian. Um, and, and I've done a little bit of reading on this and I'm not super knowledgeable. Maybe you guys are. Have you guys looked into the messenger RNA process that they use to develop these vaccines and sort of the other other potential vectors that it could go, not for just creating vaccines for viruses, but as as cancer treatments and things of that nature. Have you so Kane, you're nodding like yes. Yes, I've been I'm into it. I'm reading on this and, and <laughs> so what do you think? Tell me. So I you know I've I've mentored kids in school and they did science research projects, and one team did a science research project on um, nanobot technology, you know, and releasing this into your body. So it's, um, the research is there. The, 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 they're developing this technology. mRNA is, is along those lines of, of new research that is, is the unknown. So we fear the unknown, and until we get more comfortable with it, uh, people will, you know, embrace it more. Um, Back in 1920, 1820, you know, they came out with some kind of a vaccine. Oh, it's some kind of voodoo stuff. Right. Well, I think that's where we're still at. We're you know, humans are humans, and we're going to react the same way no matter what century we're in. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with you. And I, you know, my personal thought is uh, desperation will will change people's minds, or at least individuals' minds, right? So if if um, if I would be diagnosed with some type of cancer and they said hey dan it's not looking so good you know but we can we got the sporty new stuff it's it's uh nanotechnology driven by m m uh, rna you want to give it a whirl and i'll say bring it right because right. you got nothing to lose and then you know sooner or later i think they'll have individually um defined treatments that are just for you based upon your DNA and the specific DNA or RNA of whatever disease you might happen to have. Mm -hmm. And they'll, they'll slice something together that's meant for you 
and that will be your treatment and it'll be unique. And, you know, it might take 40 or 50 years, but I'm hopeful. I'll be dead by then. But I'm hopeful <laughs> that for many people, my kids and my theoretical grandkids, um, that this will be a jumping off point for that kind of medical research right. and medical improvements where it w- it's very specific and very unique. You know, I can't, I don't believe that there are any other vaccines in use that didn't use the actual either dead or or significantly weakened um, virus. Maybe the flu vaccines, I wouldn't swear to that one. That, you know, and certainly mass produced. Right. I, I think the Johnson & Johnson uh, uh, vaccine was, was the only one to use a live host. Um, the other companies are, are sticking with the mRNA. But what about for other vaccines? Are there any other mRNA vaccines out there besides coronavirus, COVID-related? Nothing I'm aware of. Yeah, they're all sort of old school. Mm-hmm. I believe so. And, you know, it might be the, the breakthrough that the next one, whatever the next one might be, you know, maybe there's ultimately a vaccine for meningitis that leverages this. Who knows? So I don't know too much about the MN. What is it? MRNA? Mm-hmm. Messenger um, RNA. MRNA. Okay. So is it? Can you just give a quick breakdown of what it is? Because I, I, under, I understand. I can get context clues, but just you, dumb it down in like two two sentences. <laughs> two uh, two I'll, very I'll, long I'll, sentences. I'll dumb, it, I'll dumb it way, way, way down, and then Kane will no, no, make no, it better. <laughs> it, it takes. The RNA, which is like DNA's second cousin okay. of the virus, it takes a little piece of it, M, the messenger, and they've figured out a way to get your body to react as if it were reacting to a full virus by just having this little tiny gotcha. piece of the virus. And they've got the right piece of the virus that... Um, prompts your body to react as if it were the whole virus. Okay. And so it's, you know, it's giving you two chicken nuggets instead of 10, just so that you know what chicken nuggets taste like and your body can react. So it's it's basically, we all have this built-in defense system. It's it's triggering that defense, in, that defense system and then allowing our bodies to build the antibodies. Without actually injecting you with the virus. Right, correct. Just the, just the appropriate piece of the virus to get your body to react. Yeah. Is that? That's the way I understand it. As well. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I, I like I said, there were context clues. I was like, oh, I get this, and then I was like, well, let's just see exactly what. Yeah. It is. And so, so, but now, you know, there are genetic components. I think to many, many other diseases. Mm-hmm. Now, all right. Well, can you do that and somehow get your right. body to react to fight that or back muscular, to muscular dystrophy, Parkinson's? What, yeah. what can we What can we address with this? Yeah. Right. right. That'll be interesting to see how that develops into the future. Right. Um, because so it'll, you know, we'll see. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so let's, let's go, let's continue down the, the health route of this. Um, Kane, I do want you to talk about some of the stuff that you were talking about, the changes on the um, rescue squad that you work with. But uh, the one that I want to bring up is using AI technology, artificial intelligence technology with X-ray scans to determine if the fluid in your body was COVID-19 related or pneumonia related or tuberculosis related. So it was building this database of basically x-ray scans using um, deep neural networks is what the article said to train 
the AI to determine if you had just pneumonia, if you had tuberculosis, or if you had COVID-19. Interesting, because there's a lot to unpack there, I think. Uh, X-ray, obviously, you can see your entire body. So um, having a system that's using basically machine learning to, to continue to learn about the human body goes down that same line of, well, what else can it learn in the future? Do you see any other applications for this besides just fluid detection? <laughs> um, well, again, you know, if we can develop an AI or a machine learning device mm -hmm. that, that can predict uh, how you as an individual is going to progress through life, then, yeah, it could be life-changing for, right. for the world. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, let me flip what you said on its head a little bit. Yep. Um, <clears throat> some people might know that I'm somewhat of a skeptic of artificial intelligence because <laughs> really neural networks, all it is, simply speaking, is a connection of statistical approximations yes. to get more and more and more and more accurate. Yep. Uh, I happened to be getting my annual physical last month and I was talking to the doctor about uh, uh, various tests and he brought up that women's mammograms have reduced their false positives by like 300% mm. in the last two years because they have gone to art artificial intelligence, right? But what it really means is they have a computer look at the x-ray or the, the uh, mammography right. instead of a doctor. Because a doctor looks at it and goes, yeah, yeah, I can't really tell. Uh, yeah, double check it. Right. Whereas the computer, all the computer's doing is looking at variations of color, black, gray, white, and where those variations are. And the computer is given a human-derived known set of good data. Right. And, and the human-derived known set of good data is then compared to the data that the, that the, uh, that the mammography shows. And it does a comparison and a statistical analysis. So I believe that what they've done for this COVID is the exact same thing. They've probably, taken that exact, yeah. probably the same algorithm, yep. and is looking at variations of shades of gray and white and black on those x-rays to decide what the fluid is based upon a human-driven known set of good data. And every time the, the computer runs through this, they then probably compare the answer that the computer gave to the human and then the actual, how did that human turn out? Did it turn out that they had, you know, whichever of these diseases back to the mammographies with the women? Well, how did it turn out? And then they, they tweak it and they make it better and better and better. So there's your learning. Um, so I don't know the answer to your question, Ian, other than if they've migrated from uh, mammograms to x-rays for fluid and COVID, well, it seems that that's gonna, it's gonna spread even further and you'll have more, uh, I'll say, computer-driven machine learning um, readings yeah. of of harder to diagnose stuff. Yeah. You know, break your arm. Yeah, that's a crack. You've got a broken arm. That's easy. Where there's judgment involved, taking the the judgment out of the judgment, I think, will only help. Kane, what do you think? Well, <laughs> just just simply what you touched on um, the data the. The data in, 
and the data out. You know, it's, it, anything is as good as the data you, you give it or as bad as the data you give or it. Or you're comparing it to. Correct. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm drawing a blank with where to go from there. Well, I think it's okay. I think there's yeah. a... So I, I understand your skepticism, Dan, <laughs> but I also think there's a lot that it could open up. Um, so we are, machine learning is a thing that I think we're going to rely on it more and more as we progress, um, which means that it's going to continue to get smarter and smarter. The accuracy is going to get to like 99 point, it's like the, the hand sanitizer bottle, it kills 99.9% of mm -hmm. bacteria. So we're going to get to that percentage where there's this, certainty that it's always right. And I would assume that's coming pretty quickly because of how much data they're collecting. So at some point, you're going to be able to go into a doctor's office, get a scan, maybe with LIDAR, um, yeah. <laughs> get a scan, and it's going to it's going to be able to tell you if you have a trace amount of cancer cells or a very small amount. So you're catching things earlier in that cycle. Well, I'm a Trekkie. So okay. there'll be, uh, be a day where they just kind of scan over. So yes. Go, yes. This is this is what's going on with your body. You know, yeah. I, I really believe that. I, I agree with you. You know, um, and as long as the lawyers aren't involved, then the doctor will be able to say you're good or right. you're not good, and don't come sue me. Right. I mean, you know, talking about the ambulance, we have a machine now that'll do the do the compressions for yeah. us. You know, while we're oh really handling ventilation. Well, that's kind of cool. You know, so it it frees up. Um, you know, for advanced CPR, you know, it frees you up from doing the compressions and the machine, you know, is going to give a proper compression, not break ribs and, right. uh, you know, so. So let's, let's, we are nearing 30 minutes. We're probably past it at this point. Let's wrap up with those couple of points that you had about the ambulance. And it's, <clears throat> I'm, I don't want to talk negatively about this. It's not the most technical things, but it's, it's very much like, oh, oh of course, <laughs> why didn't we think of this beforehand? Right. It makes so much more sense. So well, I was just, I was telling you before we started recording that, you know, we, we went with something as simple as a fishing tackle box and all the ambulances yeah. um, instead of the nylon, you know, to go bag when we jump out, you know, to, to respond to a scene. Um, Cause the plastic tackle box, we can easily wipe it down and make sure it's germ free right. when we're done with the call. Uh, we use a either a battery powered or a corded uh, air sprayer, paint sprayer, uh, with cleaning solution. After if if we do respond to a COVID, uh, it's called a patient under investigation. If we suspect that the patient may even have COVID, we're, right. we're going to spray that whole ambulance inside out yeah. and, and clean it. And uh, so that was you know some of the major changes that happened. Um, other than that, you know the, the standard protocols that we operate under. You know, through the state every year, uh, wasn't a whole lot of changes other than you know just make sure we can properly keep everything clean. Right. Yeah. yeah. Was there any? Um, see, I don't. I know nothing about what the rescue squad does. So, was there any kind of like testing besides? So, like at Avian, every time we walk in, we have to do the the temperature so we gun. We, yeah, we, yeah, we log it. Yeah, we you know you know we got the blood pressure machine. We got the temperature. So yeah. Yeah, we take our temperature. At the beginning of the shift, you know, and um, yep, and uh, they they created a, a portal basically where we, we input that data every time we go in on shift. Right. Is I'm this, I'm maintaining this crew position, and you know my temperature is this, and I feel fine. Yeah, yeah, cool. Anything else that we want to talk about? Um, there were some thoughts that just popped in my head, but we, we'll save it for another time. Um, anything else you want to bring up, Dan? I got nothing else. All right. 
If that's it, I think we can wrap it up. Uh, thank you for either watching or listening to this episode. Dan, Dan, Kane, <laughs> geez. Uh, thank you for joining me today. On the next episode, we're talking about the Mars rover. So that'll be an interesting one. I know Dan has some thoughts that he kicks around quite often with that one. So um, one. we actually have uh, a guy named Jeff Peters that works for Avian. He worked for NASA in the past. So we'll have a, a NASA uh, insight on that. Um, topic as well. So very excited for that. And that's it. So we'll see everybody next time.